Welcome to So This is Holland, an unexpected trip to special needs parenting, hosted by Michelle Finn and Donna Sandoval, fellow special needs moms, keeping it real and providing a place for you to listen in and say, oh my gosh, me too. Hi, welcome back to So This is Holland. Today we are going to talk about something that we wanted to talk about for quite a while. We are going to talk about the diagnosis day. When we found out our kiddos had 1P36 deletion syndrome and just what unraveled around that. So how are you today, Donna? I am fabulous. Doing good. Surviving summer. Just keep swimming. <laughs> yes, right? I don't want summer to be over. I know you do because it, it, you have a, be a better schedule, but I like the warm weather. I like the warm weather. I like the bus coming to pick up my kid better. <laughs> yes, but you live in sunny Southern California. I do, too, so we so have pretty good weather year round. I'm pretty yes. spoiled. <laughs> I'm in the South, so we do have warmer, warmer weather than a lot of areas, but we still have seasons here. So yeah, no. So diagnosis day. I loved when you had this idea. I was like, yeah, for sure. This is an easy one. And it's one that we all have, regardless yeah. of what our children have. We remember the moment that we found out that our lives were not going to be anything like we had planned. And it's such a core memory moment for us that yes. often <laughs> maybe created some PTSD in us. I mean, just everything was it was the rug being pulled from your feet. Like it really does just change everything in one moment. It does. And you have to, in that moment you give up. It's, it's almost like a movie montage where you see like somebody's life kind of passing before their eyes. You give up all of your hopes and dreams for this child because their life just got so different. Mm -hmm. that everything that you had dreamt about what their life would look like suddenly wasn't going to be a possibility anymore. 100%. And that's, that's another way to grieve. Like that's something else that we have to grieve over is the difference that we're about, our children are about to face. And I think like on the last episode where we talked about passions and, and how our dreams got put up. And I think it's in this moment that we put our own and we, and it, you do need to, I mean, you're in survival. Yeah. You, you turn to your child and go, okay, I'm in fight mode. At least for me, I went yeah. into fight mode of what services, what, what do, what can I do to give him the best chance possible? What support can I find? What I started searching the internet for other kids like James to give me a glimpse of what our future might hold. And that's one of the reasons why I started sharing our journey of Adventures of James and 1P36 so that somebody could find us and, and have a glimpse and know that there's still life after diagnosis day. It's just a different life. And yeah, so Michelle, why don't you start with your diagnosis day story? I will. So we knew something was different with Josh. Well, I knew something was different with Josh in pregnancy. And everybody thought that I was absolutely insane. I had had a miscarriage. So they thought that was just my fear from before. But I had so many friends that were pregnant and their babies were all moving and active. And my baby didn't move. I, I There were days I would wake up scared to death that I had miscarried because he didn't move. And 
at 20 weeks, we found out there were, they couldn't find his nose or his mouth or a piece of his umbilical cord. So, and there were three cysts on his brain. And I'm like, okay. So I really started preparing for the fact that this baby was going to be different. And he was fine by 24 weeks. The sonogram looked beautiful and everybody kept saying he's okay. And I knew, I knew, I just knew there was something different. So from him, he came into this world dramatically. I mean, super dramatically. There used to be, I don't know, you might be too young to remember this. Donna's young. Um, Stop it. I'm 39. I'm not. <laughs> there used to be this story, uh, this show on TLC. Do you remember the, the show? Um, oh, I think it was called The Birthing Story or. Oh, yeah. I watched those. I remember when and I was it, pregnant, I watched them. I binge watched them all the time. Yes. Well, there was the story the day before I gave birth to Josh, where the dad looked at the doctor and said, uh, go ahead and call a stat on this at any time. And the doctor said, you don't ever want to hear the word stat when we're talking about a pregnancy. That means there's something really wrong. So the next day I go to the doctors for a checkup. Joshua was very late. Like I said, he Joshua, I call him my sloth now, and that has nothing to do with his his diagnosis. It has to do with the fact that my child is very lazy. So if you don't make him do it, he's just not going to do it, right? And if you tell him to do something, he goes so slow. <laughs> so I always say, like, I think if we look at the way our children were born, it kind of determines what their personalities already are. So Joshua, I was almost 42 weeks along already and I went to a doctor's appointment and they sent me immediately over to the hospital because he wasn't showing the breathing that they see in um, ultrasounds. There's like a breathing motion. So they sent me over for an emergency C-section and they started to induce me and the doctor went behind a curtain and said stat. Um, and I knew from that episode the day before <laughs> that we were in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. And within 20 minutes, Josh was, he was out. We went from starting to Pitocin, starting Pitocin to Joshua having an emergency cesarean. And he was out and he was rushed away from me. He wasn't breathing when he was born. Um, I had a second to give him a kiss. But you know what? In that moment, doesn't mom like immediately kick in? because they brought him over when they got him breathing. He was all, he had like one eye open and one eye closed. He was all bundled up and they brought him over for me to kiss him. And I kissed him. The only thing I could get out as much as I talk, the only thing I could get out when I looked at him for the first time was sweetheart. Mm -hmm. And then I looked at the nurse and I said, take him. I wanted him so badly, but I wanted him to be taken care of. I right, wanted him right. at nursery and for them to be checking over him. And then I forced his father to go with him. He's like, I'll just stay here. I'm like, go with that baby. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so um, that was like the beginning of our journey was from birth. And he was having seizures in the hospital and none of the medical staff was listening to me. He would shake and then he would just fall asleep. They're like, oh, they're infantile spasms. It's perfectly normal, which we know it's not. No, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so by three weeks old, Joshua was having grandma seizures. I didn't know what they were. And I was recording them. The doctors were telling me it was fine. They wouldn't watch the videos. And I had a doctor say to me, just take him to Baltimore, which was an hour and a half from our house. And it was before GPS. And I said, well, what do I do? Like, what if he has a seizure? Because then, then we heard the word seizure for the first time. And I said, what if he has a seizure? 
And he said, well, it, it doesn't matter. Just stop at one of the hospitals along the way. And I'm like, well, how the heck do I know where the hospitals along the way are? But before we even got off of our road, Josh was having another grandma seizure and I ran into like a scene from a movie. Truly. I ran into the hospital with my son in my arms, seizing in my arms, screaming. And how old was he at that point? He was three weeks old. Okay. Look, I'm getting teared up just talking about yeah, it. It's traumatic. I'm telling you, these stories bring back a lot of like emotions. It's, it's a big moment in our lives. It really was that moment. And that was the moment. Like I remember going home after the doctor said he's having seizures, you need to take him to Baltimore. I remember calling his, his dad from the doctor's office and said, you need to get home. And then I called my mom and my stepdad answered and like, I'm really getting emotional. This is ridiculous. Um, and my stepdad answered and he couldn't understand a word I said. I was crying so hard and all you could make out was seizure, seizure. And yeah, so that was the beginning. And then Josh was airlifted to Baltimore. So that was my first helicopter ride. And I remember holding his ears because he was so little, they didn't put anything to protect his ears. I had like headphones and everybody around us had headphones, but nobody did anything to protect him. And I remember stretching my body to like get near him because, you know, I was in a seat and holding his ears because I was so scared. Now, why are we protecting our ears, but we're not protecting his ears? Yeah. And then we ended up in Baltimore and that was really the, the beginning of just the chaos. And that's when they did genetics and figured out the true reason of everything. They did the genetics. Um, we were in the PICU and I remember we were in this room. He had just had an MRI and one of the techs came in and I was sitting there and I had my hand through his crib. Cause you know, cribs at the hospital are like cages. Yeah. Yeah, and I had my hand through the crib and I and Tony was standing Josh's dad was standing and I was sitting down and of course text can't give you information and he said well you know he has brain damage and that was the first I had ever heard that and I was like what and Tony and Tony is so like not a sensitive person mm -hmm. and he goes oh deal with it you knew something was wrong stop crying Oh and gosh. I was like, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I I I know how to pick them. <laughs> winner, winner. <laughs> yes. I mean, the whole time I made him stay in Baltimore with us that week. And the whole time he's like, I got a job to do. I gotta get back to work. I don't have time for this. And, like, and I'm like, please get out of just, my face. All I wanted was like somebody there, right? Yeah, no, so sure. um but then it was we went home after a week. We had all this testing done. We went home after a week. And then we got the phone call on July 2nd that they wanted us to come see them. The geneticist wanted us to come. And I was like, can you just tell me like what's going on? And she said, well, he'll probably be able to hear and see. And I'm like, what? I, I don't know what that means. Wh what's happening? And she said, we'll tell you tomorrow. And as soon as we got there, they literally rushed him into this room measuring him taking pictures of him like took him right out of my arms and is, they're doing all of this and i was like um what's happening and then finally i spoke up and that was the first time i really had to use my voice and i was like stop talk to me and that's the first time and you have this story every single parent with a child who has a chromosome 
deletion or addition has a story, that was the moment they held up a little piece of paper with a highlighted tip of a chromosome. And so this is chromosome one. This is the petite arm. Your son is missing this. And it was okay. a little piece uh, highlighted from the petite arm. And they were, they said he has monosomy, 1P36 deletion syndrome. And he will never know who you are. That is exactly how the doctor told me. <laughs> Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, like, there's what? so many correlations in there. Not definitely not the same story for me, but there is definitely some similarities that you just hear and you're like, oh, yes. Yeah. So my story was we had an awesome pregnancy. I thought that this I did have an emergency C-section with Charles, Charlie. Um, so I knew that I was I had a scheduled C-section for James and all the scans, nothing had looked off you know, everything was fine. I thought this was my chance to have, cause my first birth experience was awful and nothing was planned. So I was like, this is going to be my chance to have a drive-through baby. I'm still going to have makeup on hair. It's going to be awesome. And, um, went in. And then as soon as they pulled James out, they did not, I did not get the opportunity to kiss him. They were like, he's not breathing. Everything went crazy. They started saying code blue and they put him on this cart and they rushed him off and Jess went running with them. And I was left with to be stitched open alone going, what the hell just happened? Yeah. yeah. And I sat in recovery waiting to get into a room for about two and a half hours without my husband or my baby and scared out of my mind. Um, he was not breathing. He had a come to find out, like once I've got the news, like he had a PDA and a couple of VSDs, which is the big hole. PDA is the big hole that like, they all have a hole that they allows them to breathe through the, the air of the mom. And then when they let out that big cry, it closes that valve and the lungs open the valve to the heart. So that valve did not close. Um, so then, and he also, so he wasn't breathing. It was just very scary moment. Um, so we went to the, through the NICU for 17 days. Um, I thought, okay, we're through the clear. Like we made it through this hard part. Like he's, he's good. His PDA was closing by itself. Like everything is copacetic, but then we came home and I just knew, I noticed that like, he wasn't smiling on like all the little, I'm a Google queen. I knew I'd already had Charlie. I knew that there were milestones that he wasn't hitting like, and he wouldn't cry. And we we're like, he's a great baby. Well, to come to find out he had laryngomalacia floppy airways. Um, so we got that diagnosis and then he wasn't rolling over he wasn't sitting up. He wasn't doing any of the things that he should be doing. So we went in and they, they, they just kept on giving us a lot of different specialists. And so at one point we went to neurology and they did an MRI and they said um, that he had 50% less gray matter, which is the connective tissues that pair everything in. And they just gave me a cerebral palsy diagnosis first. And that was yeah. at nine months old. So they and thought he had a stroke in like, utero. Okay, that's scary. And that was like my first diagnosis day <laughs> of like, so did they think he had a stroke in utero? Is that what, what they the just knew that they... he wasn't breathing at birth, which can create issues, which is pretty much the definition of cerebral palsy. Um, so we do still have that definition in his thing, but now looking back, cause 
I think that the doctor really just was getting the ball rolling for services because they just kept on telling me global delays, global delays. And then finally, cause I was just kept fighting. I'm like, there's more than global delays here. Stop telling me I'm freaking crazy. And that there's nothing wrong with my baby. And every baby is going to have hits things on their own time. This is not right. And so I think he kind of just, I gave me a little bit of a waste basket answer, but I'm thankful because now looking back, it started us on services. We got into regional center um, that gave us in-home therapies through for, for James, you know, we started getting therapies through Kaiser. Um, but then we, at 15 months old, he got really sick. And every time he got sick, it was just so much worse than what Charlie ever had gone through. And he wouldn't be able to like clear out his lungs. And so the first stay at the hospital, he got pneumonia. He had RSV. We had to stay and pick you. We were there for a week. It was super scary. Like I, James was a sick little baby. Like it was terrifying. They were doing catheters on his chest to get the gunk out. Like, and he was just so weak already. Like he didn't have a strong, you know, solitude or what's yeah. the word I'm looking for? Like a strong composition of a baby. And so, and then we got out and then the second time it happened, like two weeks later, got in again, pneumonia. We were in PICU for like eight days. And I looked at them and I said, I am not happy with the answers I am receiving from yeah. this hospital. I want to get a second opinion and I want to go to somewhere out of the Kaiser network. I'm not. I'm not okay with the answers given something else is underlining this what's happening to my son. So then they were like, well, you've seen cardiology, you've seen neurology, you've seen, I mean, I had seen all the specialists, but there's like, there's one you haven't seen yet, which now I'm like, why the hell hadn't I seen that one freaking first yeah. was genetics. So I took James to, to genetics and they were like, oh, he doesn't have any physical markers and there's nothing in your history. So I'm really doubtful that anything's going to come up. Are you sure you want to do this test? And I was like, yes, do this test. And it was the microarray DNA um, fish yeah. test or whatever. Yeah, the, the mic Yeah. So we did the, the test and the follow-up was a couple weeks later. And I didn't even take my husband with me because I just didn't think that it was going to be another, another appointment that we went in and no answers, just more bullshit, but they came in and she handed me a 13 page PDF, which is pretty much the yeah. only thing you can find on Google at the time, um, about what is one P three, six deletion syndrome. And she handed me this piece of paper and she said, well, we have an answer. Your son has one P three, six deletion syndrome. He might not ever walk. He might not ever talk and he will need you for care forever. And my world just crumbled. Like I was bawling. I had Charlie in there who was like, that is a lot to take on without support. Yeah. It was just, it was insane. Like, so I called my husband cause my, my son's like, mom, what's wrong? Why are you crying? You know, he's too getting nervous. I was there with a the baby and him and like completely just not in my body at that moment. Mm -hmm. And I called Jess and I said, I need you here now. Um, luckily he was at a store cause he works at 11 and he was at one of his stores. that was only about five minutes away and he was there and they talked to us. They, they took our blood test just to see if we were carriers of it, which we aren't. It just happens when the, at conception, a little piece of DNA gets left off. And so it was a scary moment of everything changing. I came home and like I said, I started searching the internet for answers and looking for a glimpse of what our lives might look like. And with it being a rare 
chromosome deletion, there wasn't a lot there. I found unique, which it, which pairs you with other people. And it's like a database of chromosome abnormalities. And that allowed me to find the one P three, six deletion support group on Facebook. And that is when I felt seen and heard and just, it, yeah. it really helped me process and, and know that this isn't the end. This is the beginning of a fight that we will work as hard as we can to get James where he could be. And that was the beginning of that journey. (laughs) It's, it is definitely a different birthing story and first year experience for, for us than other people experience. I know unique was also our first stop. Yeah. But for me, um, I saw a family, um, when Josh was born, we were told there were only 10 to 20 children worldwide that had the one P diagnosis at that point. So um, yeah, we were definitely, it was, it was definitely the most known rare deletion. (laughs) Yeah. We are the most common rare. So I'm like, we're an oxymoron. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I saw this family and they were celebrating the fact that their child got a, a wheelchair that for the first time they would, their child would be able to sit up with assistance at three. Yeah. And I cried for an entire 24 hours yeah. because the reality of that hit hard. And that's when I knew, like I stopped looking for support at that point. Um, I actually knew I couldn't handle it. So I just talked to the doctors and did research about what medically I needed to know about Joshua. He was in therapy. I was doing what I needed, but I knew I didn't want a crystal ball to know what yeah. his life looked like. Little yeah. did I know that one P is like a huge spectrum. spectrum too, it's a spectrum right? just like everything else. But all I saw was this little girl that couldn't walk and couldn't sit. And I'm like, what kind of life is my son going to have? And when yeah. you aren't a part of this, that is really, really scary. Now you're giving, now we give advice. Like it's okay. They're doing amazing. Look at what they're doing. Like we get that perspective now, but in the beginning, you don't have that. It's terrifying. Yeah. And every little miss milestone you grieve and it triggers it all over again. And it's such an emotional roller coaster. And you don't even have time to allow yourself to process and feel the feels because you are just in fight mode of survival (laughs) for your child. The first year or two really is the hardest I think with adjusting, it is insane with adjusting. It's so that is our stories. I would love when we post this to do a post in our Facebook group and asking people to share their own personal diagnosis stories. I think that there are so many different stories and lessons in them, but also a lot of the same, like just similarities of how we felt during that time. You know, the people that surrounded us or didn't surround us at that time and just, just share because we're not alone, but there is one common theme with all of us. At one moment, we had to grieve the dreams and hopes of what we thought our lives would be like with our child. And that is a hard thing to process for all of us at that moment. So thank you so much for tuning in to our diagnosis stories this week. We will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hang out with us and be a guest on our show, you can go over to our Instagram page. So this is Holland podcast, go to our bio and there'll be an application there. You can also find Donna at determined Donna on Instagram, or you can find Michelle at Michelle Finn coaching on Instagram. Have a great day.